0: Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushival. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of June 16, 2019. We begin with an article that was posted on Leadership on June 5. It's entitled, Apple's Voice Control Improves Accessibility. OS wide on all its devices and this is from TechCrunch.com Apple is known for fluid intuitive user interfaces but none of that matters if you can't click tap or drag because you don't have a finger to do so with for users with disabilities the company is doubling down on voice-based accessibility for the powerful new voice control feature on Macs and iOS and iPad's OS devices. Many devices already support rich dictation, and of course, Apple's phones and computers have used voice-based commands for years. I remember talking to my Quadra. But this is a big step forward that makes voice controls close to universal, and it all works offline. The basic idea of voice control is that the user has both set commands and context-sensitive ones. Set commands are things like Open GarageBand, or File Menu, or Tap Send. And of course, some intelligence has gone into making sure you're actually saying the command and not writing it, like in the last sentence. But that doesn't work when you have an interface that pops up with lots of different buttons, fields, and labels. And even if every button or menu item could be called by name, it might be difficult or time-consuming to speak everything out loud. To fix this, Apple simply attaches a number to the UI item in the foreground, which a user can show by saying, Call Numbers. Then they can simply ask for the number or modify it with another command, like tap 22. Remember that these numbers may be more easily referenced by someone with little or no vocal ability, but could in fact be selected from using a simpler input like a dial or blow tube. Gaze tracking is good, but it has its limitations and this is a good alternative. For something like Maps where you could click anywhere, there's a grid system for selecting where to zoom in or click. Just like Blade Runner, other gestures like scrolling and dragging are likewise supported. Dictation has been around for a bit but it's been improved as well. You can select and replace entire phrases like replace To Be Right Back with On My Way. Other little improvements will be noted and appreciated by those who use the tool often. All the voice processing is done offline, which makes it both quick and robust to things that signal little problems or to use in foreign countries where data might be hard to come by. And the intelligence built into Siri lets it recognize names, and context specific words that may not be part of the base vocabulary. Improved dictation means selecting emoji and adding dictionary items is a breeze. Right now voice control is supported by all native apps and third-party apps that use Apple's accessibility API should be able to take advantage of it easily. And even if they don't do more specifically Numbers and grids should still work just fine since all the OS needs to know are the locations of the UI items. These improvements should appear in accessibility options as soon as a device is updated to iOS 13 or Catalina. And from the APH News on June 11 comes the following. The Orbit Reader 20 will be available on the APH shop by the end of today. That was the 11th. After months of negotiations, the Transforming Braille Group, TGB, of which APH is a member, has not yet reached an agreement with Orbit Research on pricing for the Orbit Reader 20. In order to meet the needs of our customers, APH decided to negotiate an agreement with Orbit outside of the TGB, which will allow us to resume offering this device. Please note that this agreement has two key differences. One, the price of the Orbit Reader 20 has increased to $699. While we advocated for a lower price, since Orbit Research was unable to reach an agreement with the TGB, we were unable to use the purchasing power of the group in securing our price resulting in higher costs. 2. Effective with the sale of this batch of Orbit Reader 20s, all customer service questions, requests for repairs, or returns will be handled by Orbit Research. Moving forward, APH is serving as a distributor only for Orbit support for these devices. APH will continue to support all Orbit readers purchased prior to June 2019. Horse racing is a big deal in Kentucky. I'll bet you didn't know that. We often hear races or get a chance to visit a racetrack, but it's not often that we get a chance to talk face to face with a trainer or other person who works on the backside of Churchill Downs or at other tracks around the country. At a recent meeting of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, Our first vice president, retired attorney Mark Webster, brought his neighbor with him who turned out to be a trainer of horses that have run in the Derby, the Oaks, and at other tracks around the country. Listen in as Mark and his neighbor talk to the Louisville Downtown Lions Club on Tuesday, June 11, 2019. And on page three is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two.
1: I think most of you know who our speaker is tonight. This is Steve Margolis. He's the trainer. And anybody with here at the Lions' Day at the Downs, he trained Askenport, who won the fourth race. Uh, he's my neighbor, lives two doors down from me. Uh, uh, I was going to say that. Uh, you know, you had a derby horse that requests for parole yeah, finished yeah, fifth two
2: thousand two, yeah. Two Oaks horses. Yeah, that came in fifth, so yeah. My
1: favorite Breeders' Cup uh, Cajun Beat yeah. won the sprint. And three, Country yeah. Day uh finished second. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about the, what was the one wine uh Princess. Prince Wine Princess she and the, uh, Falls City, yeah. So but I'll we'll tell do you do the things. the my favorite I don't know if you remember this. One time my wife and I you allowed us to come out and, and look at your barn. Oh, yeah. At, at Churchill Downs. <laughs> and there was a horse named Ms. Ida. Uh, and Ms. Ida was named after a Holocaust uh, yes, it's survivor. Yes, a very, very
2: touching story. A yeah. really
1: touching story. And, and if I recall the horse was a, a smallish mare. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, but the horse was
2: tough as nails. Yeah. Uh,
1: and yeah, won a number of races. She make
2: it about a half a million dollars. So. Yeah. Ha, yeah, half a million yeah, dollars. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't
1: <laughs> know if the original Ms. Ida is still alive. I don't no, know. no.
2: Unfortunately, she died a few years ago, yeah. I don't know if the horse Ms. Ida Oh, in fact, one of my other clients purchased her in full at Keenan last year. I'll be done. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, fall, yeah. All right. Well, let me
1: sit down and shut up and you can tell okay, us. You yeah, can
2: sit good. down. Or? Yeah. yeah. Either as as you feel. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. very yeah. informal. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Well, would like to But no, yeah, I've been training on my own since the fall of 99, 2000. And I came here uh, from New York. I grew up in New York and worked. Had some tracks, Belmont and Jersey, and uh, uh, just wanted to make a change in lifestyle. So I moved here in 97, worked for a trainer for a couple of years, and then I started on my own. So that's actually Kentucky's been great for me because um, I got my start to my career and I met my wife now, Sue, who's great. And so it's really been good, yeah. I and mean, I still like New York, but I, uh, I go back and visit my dad and stepmom. But uh, Kentucky's great, yeah. <coughs>
1: Well, how did you get into, you know, I, I daydreamed that you lived right next to Belmont, or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but actually you went over to Jersey, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: just, you know, one summer during high school, I worked at, at the Monmouth Track, and just kind of thought it was kind of like a novelty to do. I didn't really I mean, have any aspirations, maybe go to college, I didn't just kind of, and I kind of, so I just kind of worked there, and then thought it was kind of intriguing to do, so after high school, I, I went to Belmont, and I just got a job. And uh, John Beach, who was a trained ally right in the day it was before my time. But, uh, he was a steward here in, in yeah. Kentucky. And it just kind of worked my way up the ladder. I, was, I started on the bottom and was a walker and a groom and foreman and assistant and became uh, a trainer after 15 years. So I just my way up, yeah.
1: Well, I was wondering about the business of uh, being a trainer because uh, I've learned, uh, for example, I've represented people who were injured. Uh, at the track every track is different for example uh, there was someone I knew that worked for D. Wayne Lucas but was injured at Belmont here's what I learned Belmont carries the workers comp in other words everybody walks in there uh, is on the Belmont Belmont. but at Churchill Downs you're the guy that buys them
2: yeah yeah we have to have our own policy Uh, people use Mm. different companies and then we're liable as far as if the worker gets hurt but it is covered under the, the policy that you have and yeah uh but it can be, you know, kind of a uh, little stressful if it's a bad injury for the employee. So uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money. But, yeah, they uh, it's required by all, most tracks to have it that I'm... Uh, we,
1: there were a couple cases I uh, had. One guy that trained with... Uh, for Mr. Shearer, you remember him? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And, uh, right. and then there was another case involving somebody. Uh, I know you go down to New Orleans. They were, sure. They were injured in New Orleans, which is owned by Churchill down. Church Downs. Churchill Downs, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so there was an issue there about what law would apply, mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. But do you have any employees, uh, or is there, are you by yourself?
2: Oh no, no. We, when I, you know, my business is fluctuated with numbers depending on the year. And I, at one time, I had sixty-five horses, and that was. It's just a lot, it's a, it's a lot to deal with. with. You know, we had about 25 people, and, and we were at two different tracks. And Anyway, I did it for a while, and then I just, it's, a, it's just, I kind of cut back on numbers. And right now we only have 15 horses, but I have eight, uh, I think we have eight employees. So I have a couple of people, you know, a few grooms to take care of them, the walkers, a couple of riders, and an assistant that helps me out. And of course, the more horses we get, we have to hire more people, which has been a little bit of a challenge over the years different things and uh you know but um yeah it's uh, so it's, it's a very exciting business it has a lot of ups and downs uh it's kind of like coaching a team you know you have to have the right horses to to do well i mean you know training them is it's not really hard it's just more of a it's paying attention and to detail and you know you could take you could take the, the worst horses in the world give them to the best trainer, but they're not going to turn them into <laughs> champions. You know, It's just like coaching a team. You have to have like a good recruiting staff mm-hmm. to have the right horses. Mm-hmm. In. But we've been fortunate over the years to have you know a lot of good ones, and we've had some lean years and kind of comes and goes with the territory depending on the crop for the babies that you get. And I was going
1: to say, do you seek out horses or do,
2: or do owners seek you out? I mean, out? both. I mean, a little bit of- over time, it, it's funny, so training... Like, like, the best advertisement a trainer can do is is win. Have a winner. <laughs> because, like, everyone goes on this Equibase site, it's public knowledge, and mm-hmm. if a trainer's doing well, it's like the only business where it's funny, like, if you bat 20% win as a trainer, you're doing really good. But you're losing 80% of the time. It's crazy. But you're, you're mm-hmm. running second, third, or fourth, which is also getting prize money. Sure. But, no, we, we, have, we have owners that I, I, I trained for some people for a dozen years, and then they decided they wanted to go to New York, and I just mm-hmm. didn't want to. Take my staff up there full time and right. do it, and then I've had a lot of. You know, you have some people come and go, but you know we we meet people along the way. Sometimes you know, you know references, or, sure. Or, you know, of course, the people at the top, the Bafferts and those guys. I mean, they, they probably get phone calls every day. They turn more horses down, but uh, it's a combination of both. There's there's sales auctions that we go to and. You know, yearlings and two-year—you know—Keeneland is a big yearling sale in September, and then there's horse auctions all over the country, Ocala, different parts of Florida, New York, and uh, you know, you, over time, if you have a good reputation, what people usually call you or kind of, you know, get in touch with you. I mean, they know how to get in touch with anybody. Uh, the racetrack in, yeah. in the industry, in the industry, yeah.
1: It's, uh, a little off subject, but the issues that are happening out west, you have an opinion about what's going
2: on there? Yeah, like I was telling Mark, like I do have friends that have horses at Santa Anita. I've never, I mean, I've only been there one time and we won the Breeders' Cup in 03, but the, that track has always been on the harder side as mm-hmm. far as the under the makeup of the dirt. And uh, over the years, they actually pulled out their track and they put a synthetic track down for a couple of years. Um, I don't think it it, it didn't really Mm -hmm. work out to their liking. Frank Stronach, the owner of Gulfstream in Maryland and Santa Anita, so he tore it up, and they put the dirt back. But in the wintertime there, when they run their start of their meet, they they had some really bad problems with heavy rains, and what they do is they seal the track with a a harrow, and it does become harder. I mean, Churchill does not all the tracks do it when it rains, but they were just unfortunate, I think, to have excessive rain, Horses got hurt, and you know maybe some of them would have got hurt anyway. But it's hard to say that you know it's unfortunate that that many got hurt. You know, and then now there's some horse had like a heart attack, and it's just one after another. It's just been real.
1: It's a lot, the way. They yeah,
2: are. I mean it is. I mean Churchill had a rash a while back, and Arlington had something years ago, and you know they really every track in North America. Unfortunately, these horses are going to. You know, they're going to get hurt. And unfortunately, when they have an injury, like a compound fracture, when, when the skin comes out, there's see, there's no way to save a horse when it has mm-hmm. that. It, it's it because they, they can't rehab with the, the tendons and the ligaments. Their legs are too fragile and they, the arteries and everything. It's just the, the blood flow is a big part of it. But, uh, you know, and then they can have a heart attack or an aneurysm like, like any athlete, I guess. Um,
1: As part of your training, do you handle... The breeding part, as well as the racing, or uh
2: I mean, I I, I had a mare that we used to own that we did some breeding with, mm-hmm. with some different studs, but we sold her last year. But I really don't handle the breeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owners generally do that through the farms, and decide who they want to breed their mares to, and decide what they. And some people will do; they'll breed, or they maybe they'll sell one year and then they'll race one year. I have some owners that do that too. Mm-hmm. That they'll or they might have a few mayors, and they'll sell a couple and raise one. When, the way they
1: fund medical care for the Horseman's Association, all of the uncashed paramutual tickets go in that fund. Oh, good. And they use that to provide medical care. Provide, yeah.
2: Is that through the KTAs? It, it, uh, well, it's well, more it? of a national thing. Oh, horse. a national thing, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I know... Uh, Actually, New Orleans has a really good um, coverage mm-hmm. for the employees. It might be even a little better than here mm-hmm. you know, for, for the employees. So there.
1: I said to the man that heads that up this year, I said, um, I guess you're happy the way the race turned out, the derby. Tell uh, yeah. The way it oh, yeah. Out. He says, oh, all no. All, he said, we prefer the winner, I mean, the favorite to win. He said, because... That way, people were more likely not to cash their tickets, and then oh, save them as a, a, as post a post yeah, uh, yeah, But the way it did. turned out, he said, everybody will cash those tickets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. That was a crazy derby with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some people were, I, I mean, they made the right call. Yeah. But I think the mistake the stewards made was not putting up the inquiry before the jockey put the objection. Mm-hmm. Because they're watching all the angles before we're seeing the right. ang- all three angles. And they they saw the horse probably come out, but like Baffert said, see, Baffert thought that the horse shouldn't have come down. He in his thing, he's like, well, the Derby's a rougher, and it's true. It's you know, probably one of the few times in North America you'll have twenty horses running.
0: So, do years. you think they're going to change that? No,
2: I I think that Mr. West is uh, no. I I would be shocked. I. I I don't see it happening. As a matter of fact, I think the Racing Commission is trying to get their attorneys to drop it, because I don't know how much money he's spent, and you know, he's a very wealthy man, he's on the West Coast, but it's, you know, it, he came out a few paths, he bumped a horse, another horse got bumped, and it caused those horses not to finish as good as maybe they could. You know? have. Yeah. Now, he was the best horse in the race, and if he doesn't do that, he still probably wins, so that was unfortunate, but um, you know, it's a shame that um, because in all the years of running derbies, that it's never... Yeah, but it's funny, like, when horses bump in the back or in the middle, like, you don't see it as much and there's never any discrepancy because, you know, one ran eighth and one ran ninth, they don't care, you know? Right. But when the prize money or the one, two, three's mm-hmm. on the line, right. that's, you know, that's... You know, it's so much at stake. So mm-hmm. uh, it was... Uh, I guess it was just, you, know, you know what's funny? That man that owns that horse has spent hundreds of millions of dollars over the years, Gary and Mary West. And he won the race with a homebred that he owns the stud on that he put in for claiming maiden $16,000, 1st time out of golf course. He didn't think much. The, the, the trainer is a very good trainer, Jason Service. I know him. they didn't think much of the horse. They put it in a, a, almost a bottom right. of level, and then he won by 10 lengths, and then the rest is history, and then he put him an allowance and allowance, and then he went some Florida dirt. <coughs> But what's funny is all the money that he's put into the game over the years, he wanted with a horse that probably was the least likely of the horse that he bred or bought. $16,000. Yeah, it was yeah. weird, you know. How important is the
0: jockey? Uh,
2: it's mostly the horse, but, uh, I mean, a, a bad ride from a jockey can hinder you. I mean, I like, if you put – and it's always easy, like, if you go to the track and you see the leading jockey, well, most of the leading jockeys are the leading horses – yeah, you know, like Corey Landry, but, but if you put like, like I put Chantelle Southern when she came, she's she's a woman she's been riding for years in Canada, and like I put her on a Philly that she won for me, and she's like way down the standings, but she still won on the horse, you know? And I think enough time, but like, no one really gives the horse credit because the horse can't talk, you know? But really, like I, I teach people, like, it's really like horse racing. I mean, the trainer matters, the jockey matters, but you know, if you have a really bad horse and you put the best jockey and give it the best trainer, the horse is going to win, right? So, but a bad jockey can make a mistake. And like in the big races like the Derby and the Breeders' Cups, you want the jockeys that have the experience riding those races because it does help a little more. Although, I'll tell you a funny story I had the horse in the Breeders' Cup due date for Richard Klein, and uh, we were riding a jockey from France that was unknown and he won on this horse due date. Well, Gary Gomez, who, you know, he died a few years back, he was, well, he was a very good jockey. He won big races in California, New York, champion jockey. When the clients found out that he was open, they are like, he doesn't have a mountainous race, Steve. we got to get Gary Gomez. How do we put Tony Farina on the horse, even though Tony won two in a row on the horse? Gary Gomez, it was the year that Blaine won the mm-hmm. here. Right. So we sought out Gary Gomez. Of course he wanted to ride the horse. He didn't have a mountainous race. We weren't a favorite, but we were like a 10 to 1, I don't know, whatever we were. And, and Garrett Gomez rode that horse so bad. He rode that horse <laughs> as bad as, 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 like, it was funny because, like, you think, like, you're riding this great jockey that was won titles in California, New York, and winning the British Cup Classic on Blaine. But mm-hmm. he rode my horse like he, he did everything wrong. He got him boxed in, he got him jackets. But, but if we would have rode the other jockey and he rode him like that, they would have cursed him out, right? But Garrett Gomez, because he was like, that day, (laughs) you know, it's funny, so really, you got to get lucky, but sometimes in, like, the derbies and the Oaks, in these big fields, a jockey that has that experience, you know, if you take a jockey from River Downs or a real small track and put him against, I mean, they're probably going to be a little intimidating. Although there's a jockey up in Ohio named Perry Utes who's won, like, 7,000 races. Mm -hmm. He's, He's rode Horses. Russell Bayes. Yeah, and all those guys. Yeah, guy. I mean, I think so. Those guys are, you know, but it really is the horse. he, he got to have the right horse and you know. I have another question. Yeah. Do you
0: bet on races?
2: Not really. I mean, I'm not a. <coughs> periodically, I'll bet on a horse of mine. It's funny, I won a race a couple of weeks ago and I brought money out to bet on her, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, I had money. I was going to. And I don't But If I'm going to bet, I'll bet like $100. I'm not going to bet like $500. I'm going to bet 100 and nothing, you know. And I was like, I brought this money out to bed. And then I changed my mind. I was like, I don't want to jinx it, so. And we ended up winning, so. I kind of <laughs> a little superstitious. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll think, oh, if I bet, I'll jinx them. But, I mean, it's really not. You know. So
0: not really a gambler. No. Nah. I mean,
2: it's fun sometimes at Derby to bet, <laughs> pick out some things, or Breeders' Cup. But I really, over the course of time, I, I'll put some money in the Twin Spires account over a year. And I think, yeah. Do you have
1: any distance? races that, that you like over other oh, well, over links? You know. uh, nah, you know,
2: people. It's funny like like one year I remember at, at Fairgrounds I won like eight turf races and someone says oh you turn into a turf trainer but mm-hmm. really the horses were bred for the turf and I, I just really whatever we get we just kind of yeah. work with and some of the horses have more predisposed to run on grass or run long or short or dirt mm-hmm. you know? their, their breeding usually dictates what they're going to be of course, horses over in, that are bred in France and Europe and Ireland, those horses are predominantly bred for grass because they run all on grass over there. Um, where in America, most of the racing is on dirt, but we do have grass racing. You know? The hard part is just kind of keeping them all pretty, you know, they all have their own personalities. Some of them are more high strung. Some of them are more prone to, you know, they're fidgety and they, they get more hyper and you know, some of them are more laid back, and you have to kind of push them a you little. know, so they're all, once you kind of learn their pattern, it's like a, I, I sort of say it's like coaching a team of, 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 of athletes. You know, once you know them, and then to a degree, they all kind of do the same thing. They all go to the track six days a week, and they don't always do all the same thing, but they jog or they gallop and, and they work out maybe once a week, or depending on when they're going to run, everyone has a different. Uh, but some of the ones that are a little more like a smaller little filly or, you know, you're not going to maybe push as hard as the big, strong colt, you know. So everyone kind of has their own pattern how they train. And unfortunately, we have to live with ailments that they have. So these horses are constantly getting bone chips and lesions Mm -hmm. in their soft tissue. And, of course, when they get something, you know, that, you have to give them time off and rehab them. But unfortunately, like a lot of these horses live with little aches and pains like any athlete and you as the trainer have to kind of manage it to a degree until like or maybe you'll tell the owner look like I'm sorry like as much as you want to run the horse like there's no way we're going to do it like I don't do that anymore like I I've never let anyone maybe when I first started training you you get a little intimidated by the people They, they talk you to doing things you don't want to do but over the course of time I just I tell the people look if I tell you like the horse can't run like Believe me, like, I mean, you know, can, uh, and, and nowadays with the, what's the whole the medicine, you know, it, it, there, there's more guidelines and, you know, the state veterinarians that examine the horses before the race, I mean, they do a thorough examination. So, you, you know, it's interesting how, like, sometimes at these tracks, the people, I know the PD groups come out and, but believe me, the horses get examined jogging in the morning for the state vet. They pick up their legs and they flex them. They have a, Test they spend by five minutes, but they know what they're looking for, right? And they jog up and down the road. So if the horse looks uncomfortable or borderline a little sore, they'll say, well, Steve, this one doesn't look good today. I'll let you bring him to the paddock, see how it warms up on the track. But if I don't like it, I'm going to scratch the horse. So you can do it. So, it, you know, and in this day and age, like if you have a really bad horse, like I don't know, maybe back in the day people would he said with medicine, you can give him a little more, but you really, you have a guideline of stuff you can use. And like, so if you have a real soul, like you can't really get it by, <coughs> even if you were being like a bad person, just wanted to try to load it or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's not like, so when these horses break down, believe it or not, I mean, the testing is, and then when they're on the track warming up before the race with the jockeys, there's, there's two or three different state veterinarians watching them jog back and forth, warm up. And if they don't like how the horses look, I'll tell the jockey, bring the horse over here. I'm gonna examine him again. Maybe he stepped on something. Maybe he kicked, he wrenched something. So they're, they, they scrutinize them pretty good. So that's why like, when horses break down, I mean, it's, it is sometimes surprising because they are checked out really thoroughly, mm-hmm. you know? And unfortunately, they're 1,000 pound horses running on toothpick legs, mm-hmm. 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then it's interesting, like I never trained harness horses, but I, I have friends that own them and train them. But they're a little thicker-boned, they go a little slower, but they pull heavier people and carts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you know that an average trodden horse probably runs 30 times a year? No, more? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more, and an average thoroughbred, mm-hmm. like, like you might run 12 times a year at the moment. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some lot. Yeah. run more. Mm-hmm. You might mm-hmm. run eight or 10 times, or ten seven, eight, depending eight. on, you know. Mm-hmm. But a trodden mm-hmm. horse can run 30 times a year. So, I mean, Amazing, but they do go a little slower. Their bones are a little thicker, and they don't go as fast. I mean, all, although actually, a quarter horse can run faster, but only for a shorter distance. And it's funny. So, so this weekend at the track, they have the big Stephen Foster night, mm-hmm. right? And they have one Arabian race, and uh, it's mm-hmm. interesting because the Arabian horses come in four or five days before and they're training out there. And they're they're a little smaller. They carry their tail a little bit, but they have some races and. Like in Delaware and uh, different locations throughout the year, they don't have nearly the amount of racing as mm-hmm. thoroughbreds, you know, but they have one, they offer one race. <coughs> excuse me um, Saturday night for the um, Stephen Foster night. Well that's highly controversial,
1: I mean I can recall when thoroughbred owners wouldn't deign to even say the word Arabian, in other, yeah. words, uh, in other words it would be almost like uh, in our country, mixing races or something like oh, yeah. that, that there was Certainly against that. I mean, yeah. that, is that a good sign or a bad
2: sign? That they have this Arabian race? Yeah. Well, they, I don't know. It, I think it's something to do with, like, there's a series of different different tracks, and Churchill hosts one of them. But, um, you know, it's a prestigious, I mean, it's for whatever it is, 100,000, is probably one of the biggest Arabian races that they have. Mm-hmm. Um but they're kind of funny. Watch—they run about three or four seconds slower mm-hmm. than the thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Is it the same jockeys, or do
0: they have? they, 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 they interesting. They, they do have
2: some of their own jockeys. They use, but Delaware Park on the East Coast is one of the tracks I used to stable at years ago, mm-hmm. and they have some of the Arabian horses trained there all right the time. Um, but they do have some jockeys. But they—they uh, they really couldn't make a living just riding the Arabian horses. think is enough of the racing to. I'm not, I don't know. There might be some locations I don't know about where they run, but there isn't many, I don't think, you know. Well, I guess thoroughbreds are
1: across with an Arabians in the 1800s, yeah. 1700s. Early right? on, right? Yeah. yeah
2: I believe yeah. so, yeah. I don't know what they crossed it with to get yeah. the thoroughbred. But uh, yeah, the, uh, it's funny, just the, the end of horses, so we were driving home from dinner the other night and we stopped at the Rock Creek place. Yeah. They were doing the five gated and the show yeah. thing. So we stopped and we just ourselves and me and Sue and we watched it, but it was very interesting to watch. I've never really watched the uh, five-gated uh, saddlebreds. We've been at, just remember that's always Belmont weekend. Oh, yeah. it in Louisville, yeah. Okay. Rock Creek is the same as Belmont. And the Rock Creek place is a beautiful facility, right? It's been there for a long time, right? Yeah. I saw there was horse vans. There was more horse vans there. Yeah. Than, than, than see the, the tr- horse, yeah. In the whole park. And, and then Sue was asking a couple of the yeah. the ladies some questions. You know what's interesting, like they don't wear, like they wear these derby coats and they you know, mm-hmm. put their hairs in the bun, but they don't wear helmets. I was very surprised when you were saying to the ladies, like, you're going at a pretty good clip in the arena. Like if you fall, I know it's dirt, but like you <laughs> get a bad head, head injury. <clears throat> but it's really like proper and this and they, they don't, I don't know, it's something that they, for years they've always just been like wearing these Jersey derby hats. Yeah. Have you all ever been to the horse? I have. So it's funny. So all the years I lived here, I never went over there until like five years ago. And a couple uh, that I trained for, they have one of those carriages. It was the coolest thing. So they took me and Sue on a tour. It was like open. You could bring any horse. And people bought all kinds of horses. And you could just keep them for the weekend and pay whatever. And they had a carriage. And they took us on a tour. That's a beautiful facility. Mm -hmm. I mean, polo field, arenas, obstacle courses. Did you go when the equestrian games were here? No, I, I went and volunteered. Oh, did you? Okay? Oh my gosh, yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah, no, no, it's a big to do. I mean, and, <laughs> and it's funny, my wife has a friend from New Orleans that grew up. I mean, you all know about them, I didn't know about them, but the, the Briar Horses, you heard of those? Mm-hmm. You, you know, the briar well, if you Google, those, that's like a, they have this Briar Fest Briars. at Kentucky Horse Park coming up in July, and they say it's like the Comic Con. <clears throat> There's <clears throat> thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> and oh. come from all over, and they've collected these plastic horses.
0: Yes, oh, that's okay. Yeah, huh. and, and and they say people go crazy Virginia. over them. They like, have friends huh. in Virginia who yeah. come for that.
2: They say it, they, they've and had it at the horse park for the last few years, and my wife has a a good friend from New Orleans that wants to come because when she was a little girl. She collected them, and now she knows someone that's in Kentucky. She's like, I gotta come to this. <laughs> I had some.
0: My grand, my stepson had some. Yeah. And I gave them away. Yeah. I didn't know. They would be they're, they're like these big collectible things, do they? You know, mm-hmm. like
2: they, they say these, these people bags. and these kids collect them, and you know, when you're a little like Sue collected when she was a little girl. Well, she grew up on a farm. My wife, and uh, she's the one who should have been the trainer. She she has a couple riding horses that she keeps over by Neville Mead. Golf course is a place called, uh, called Second Stride, which is actually a good... Have you ever only heard of Second Stride? I've only So I don't Second know Stride about, is yeah. a facility that rehabs mostly mm-hmm. thoroughbreds, either that got hurt or never made the races. Second and, home. And they turn them into second home, yeah. and they give them away, they rehab them, sometimes they give them a donation, and then over the years we've given them horses, and some of my clients have given them, like, giving, and they do a wonderful job, and they relocate the horses after they're ready and. Rehab, but my wife has two horses. That one's a Connemara pony, and one's an old Palomino. And she just keeps in the field, and then she goes and rides. And I go with her sometimes. But that's what she likes to do. Yeah. She doesn't like the races; it's too much stress, you know. Uh, guys, a it's, place it's, in it's
1: Lexington with friends or something. Excuse like, me. There's a place in Lexington, common to that. Oh, oh Old like Friends. Old Friends. And actually, that yes. horse, Mark, that Silver horse, and B mm-hmm. Beat
2: horse, Yeah. that I had that won the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. And I need to go see him. The woman called me last year, and I never made it over, but I need to do it. He's over there at the Old Friends facility. That was a fast horse. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's a good place. They take mostly old celebrity horses right, right. Mm-hmm. that were good, and there were geldings, and couldn't breed. yeah. Uh, you know, the John Henrys, mm-hmm. and the Silver mm-hmm. Charms, and... The, uh, That's right. Yeah, but that horse that I trained is over there, and I got it. I got it. I told Sue so we got to make it over there this summer to see him.
1: I noticed the television commentators who are, I guess they're all trainers. Some of them, are, <laughs> yes. some of them. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they make a big deal about a horse changing leads. Yeah.
2: the, the horse either didn't change the lead or did. Yeah. Do you take any? I minutes? mean, it's you, you want them to change to that, that 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 you know to the right lead when they turn for home because they're running on the other lead. So when they you're trying to on cue with the reins they naturally usually do it but sometimes they don't do it and then when they're coming down the lane and they're a little more tired if they stay on the wrong lead then it's they, they can't it's harder for them I mean there's some horses that just won't do it Yeah, but most of the time through training you can teach them to do it and they'll just naturally do it once they come around the bend. And they, turn well, that was my home. question can it be trained? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the lead just means
1: the leg they're leading the with, leg leading right. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they turn for home, they've got to dig down. So yeah. it makes sense now they change, they change, to to the, dig the, down
2: with the other, the other leg, the yeah. Other leg. Yeah. yeah, so that they have yeah. more power to finish yeah. and finish, yeah. So What's
1: the average life of a thoroughbred, and how long do you keep them as a trainer?
2: Uh, it depends. I mean, if they have some value or it's a mare. And, you know, maybe retire retirement four or five, mm-hmm. you know, some of these older claiming horses, you'll see, they might run until later nine. That's certainly mm-hmm. trying to which is, you know, you say, how can this horse keep running? And, you know, we're not at the lower level and they're not <coughs> running against better horses. It's a little easier. But the horses that have the value, like the stallions and the good wares, yeah. unfortunately, the people have to retire fairly early because their breeding value is put so much, and the insurance that they pay to keep them insured is just astronomical, so they, you know, it makes sense to like justifies and like it would have been great for the sport like back in the day you know, people, the horses ran more you know? yeah. So it's interesting I was reading a book called Out of the Clouds if any of you ever get it's about uh, uh, Steinme he was one of the best that yeah. horse ran like 40 times, 30 times one year it's unbelievable like it's just like and I don't know like over the course of time I was telling Mark the, the, the thoroughbred maybe I don't know if the just says not like you know the, the breeds gotten weakened over time for some reason, maybe environmental overbreeding. But horses back in the day, the sea biscuits in those areas, War Admiral, those horses were hardy. They ran once a week every ten days. Well, they, they still ran. have this timey Yeah. And no, I'm I mean, reading that book. I mean, yeah. that horse was unbelievable. He ran him 'em six days, three days. I mean you couldn't do that to a, if you did that to a horse nowadays, you'd be, people would be people say you know be like, You can't do that. The world world way and
1: Citation actually ran four races because they ran the
2: Peter Pan between, between the Freakness and no, yeah. yeah, So, yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's hard. I guess in addition to all the races they yeah. ran... You know, I guess <laughs> Churchill years ago, he had something called the Stepping Stone. On 14. Tuesday.
1: Uh, it was uh, yeah. the Derby trial. Derby yeah. yeah. and Stepping Stone, yeah. yeah. One was Saturday, one was a Tuesday. Tuesday yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, Tim Tam won the race on Tuesday and then the Derby on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's funny, but now...
2: Yeah, no, this is strong. Man. And it's funny, when I started, I worked for that John Beach I told you in 85... And he trained for this Darby farm, which is amazing. <laughs> and these people had these, this line by Roberto and Graustart, stallions that you don't even see yeah. them. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I have one question. Right. Sure, yeah. yeah so I think, was it Bodie
0: Express
2: in... Oh, in the Preakness? Yes. Of course, they got loose. You know, or yes. and, Yeah, yeah.
0: That, to me, I mean, in some ways, it kind of did my heart good because I was like... Look at him go. No jockey yeah, on no junk, him. Yeah, he's but, probably like partying. <laughs> he's like, nee, I, I got to do kind yeah. of what I want. Yeah. That was I,
2: I had a go, horse go, once go, that, go, in Florida. Yeah. The horse broke out of the gate and dropped the jockey, and then the horse won the race. Of course, it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, one other quick story. This is a funny fact. So I did run a horse in the Belmont one year, and it was just where stay put the declines. And we were a long shot. We, we were 30 to 1, you know, it took a shot, whatever. So the horse was running, running, running. Well, the horse that finished fifth and we sixth, when he was running in the race, the, the saddle pad, not the saddle, somehow worked its way out of the saddle and fell on the track. So because that horse didn't carry the weight across the wire, oh, they disqualified. Wow. So we got fifth place. There was just kind of a weird out of Like the chance of the pad and and, and and the pads that they used on Belmont Day, they, because they, they carry 126 pounds, so they were like a two or three pound and it was a weird, like they, they sh- and, and no one knew right when they crossed the wire what happened. And we were out at an Italian restaurant. They said, "Oh yeah, they took, they disqualified him because he didn't carry the weight across the wire." The well, yeah,
1: it's a tremendous thing you watched it. The second race, it's a tremendous thing you watch those outriders. What their the job oh, yeah. is? Oh yeah. I mean, they re- she went running out there and had that horse. Yeah. Realized and backed off because.
2: Well, yeah, she has to be careful because she can't interfere with the race. I was
1: going to say, it's, yeah, they have a tremendous responsibility, do a
2: great job. A I lot think. of times, you know what? It's funny in all the years of, especially in a race like that. I've never seen an outrider get into the picture. Get into that, especially in, like in a race like that. They'll try a little bit, but once they get a little at the field, mm-hmm. they have to be careful because it's just too much of a risk of them. And actually, the, the woman that was the outrider used to be a jockey. She was a former jockey. In Maryland and, and that area. Pretty so, confident. Yeah. yeah. Our outriders, Greg and Lee, are really good at Churchill, too. They've caught some, they've had some yeah. miraculous catches. Mm. But, uh, I just uh,
0: want to know why you did not have this guy before our day at the race. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh. Ha-ha-ha-ha. laughs>
2: well, I think if
1: we have no more questions, uh, we'll stop. Huh? I have one. Uh, okay. okay. Was it Carol that yeah. was
2: talking about the jockey that fell off the... Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the let jump. me tell you what happened to me one time. I'm, I get up on this horse. Immediately, the horse starts running, and I fall off. Except my foot got caught in a stirrup. Oh, oh. My yeah, yeah.
1: And we were going and going, and I was really upset about it. And luckily, the manager at Walmart, I mean Target, came out and unplugged it. Oh. <laughs> 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 Steve is a, is a neighbor of mine and, and he was sitting in his car as I was walking <laughs> to the bus and that's how this happened I said hey why don't you come and talk uh, to Do our uh, club thank you very much <laughs>
2: <laughs> APH's
1: Nearby Explorer is a full featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store.
0: Page three, the Saint Prince calendar. June 18, Savvy Bowling Committee meeting p.m. Central Time on the Zoom line at 669-900-6833, Enter code 3572-595-193, June 20, Bluegrass Council Assistive Technology Seminar, 1-2 to 2 p.m. Rotor Router, navigating iOS devices using VoiceOver and the Rotor. At the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway, in Lexington. RSVP by June 18, or call for information 859-259-1834. June 21, GLCB Roundabout, Education and Technology from 3:30 to 5. Share stories about you and your family by responding to my first dot dot dot. From 5 to 6, dinner. 6 to p.m., $6 per person, Music Trivia, Around, Sing, and Other Music-Related Activities, 7-930, to at United Crescent Hill Ministries, sponsored by Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. June 22, ACB Next Generation, Saturday Night Live, Hangout, 8 p.m., by phone. ACB members and individuals under the age of 40 are invited to join this nationwide Saturday night chat focusing on a designated topic. For questions or more information, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. June 23, ACB Families Support Group Meeting, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code seven nine six zero nine six, June 24, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana Membership Call. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. June 24, Savvy Budget Committee Meeting. 8 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833 intercode 3572595193 june 25 acb next generation nationwide organizational development committee conference call 8 p m by phone call 669-900-6833 and intercode 3572 3572- For more questions, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. June 26, Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group Meeting. From noon to 2 p.m., the program is Rhonda Snow, American Red Cross Wheels, will provide an update on transportation services at the BCB office 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call 859-259-1834. June 27, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group Meeting. 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. This is a great activity for anyone who has begun experiencing vision loss or anyone who has had low vision for several years at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. June 28 is a Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout with education and technology and other individualized activities from 3.30 to 5.00 p.m., a tip sheet, 5 to 5.30, page turners, 5.30 to 6, dinner, per person from 6 to 7. KCB Next Generation Activity, Games and Crafts from 7 until 9.30. United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. June 30, BCB will have a June fundraiser, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Moe's Southwest Grill. 1975 Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. Dine in or carry out. Mention your order goes to BCB fundraiser and 25% of the proceeds will be donated to the Bluegrass Council. June 30, BCB Community Outing, 5.30 to 7 p.m. at Mo's Southwest Grill, 1975 Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. Susan will have Wheels Passes bring your family and friends, and support BCB. RSVP, appreciated by calling 859-259-1834. Looking ahead to July, note, please check the July calendar carefully as several events will not meet in July. On July 1, the Savvy Program Committee will meet at 7 p.m. Central, at 669-900-6833, enter code 3572 On July 2, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. Individuals statewide experiencing vision loss are encouraged to ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. Call 669 900 6833 and enter code 3572 July 5-12, through 12, the 58th Annual ACB Conference and Convention in Rochester, New York For more information, contact www.acb.org and follow the convention links On July 9, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired Savvy will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker will be from the Davies County Public Library, and they will share information about their services at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. On July 9, Savvy will hold its board meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572 On July 10, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605 605- and enter code 155619. For more information about the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. July 13 is Braille for the Sighted, from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Do you ever stare at those dots in an elevator and wonder how they can possibly mean words? In two hours, we can have you reading simple Braille and writing Braille on a slate and stylus, or a Braille writer. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for adults and children, 6 and up, at the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville. For more information, call 502-899-2213 on july 14 acb families will hold its meeting at 9 p m eastern time participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096 on july 15 the kcb board will meet at 8 p m eastern time call 669-900 Six eight three three and enter code three five seven two, five nine five one nine three. On July seventeenth, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at eight p.m. Call six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three and enter code three five seven two five nine five one nine three. On July nineteenth, the Greater Lovell Council of the Blind will have its roundabout including education and technology from 3.30 to 5.00. Guide dog users of Kentuckiana welcome Sarah Bevan to share pet health and pet safety tips from 5 to 6 p.m., dinner, $6.00 per person at 6 p.m., bargain table, and bingo, $2.00 per person from 7 to 9.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. July 21, KSB Alumni Board Meeting, 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. July 22, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana, Membership Call, 7 p.m. by phone. Call six zero five four seven five six zero zero six, and enter code two nine four 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 four. July twenty two is the Savvy Budget Committee meeting at eight p.m. Central Time at six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three. Enter code three five seven two five nine five one nine three. July twenty three is the A.C.B. Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time, call 669-900-6833 and enter code three five seven two five nine five one nine three. July 24 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group Meeting. Noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB Office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call 859 259 1-8-3-4. July 25 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. July 26 and 27 is the Kentucky School for the Blind 74th Annual Alumni Conference and Reunion. At the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information and make sure you receive a registration packet, contact Carla Rushaval at 502 897 1472. July 27 is the Bard's and Storytellers Musical Treasures from 1 to 3 p.m. The holdings of APH's Miguel Library include many rare and historic recordings by musicians who were blind or visually impaired, spanning the decades of the early 1900s to the present day. Our guest presenter, Justin Gardner, has curated the collection and takes us on a musical tour, stopping for stories about and songs by such standouts as Blind Tom, Moondog, Doc Watson, and Stevie Wonder. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for Adults and Older Children at the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville. Call 502-899-2213 for more information. July 27 is the ACB Next Generation Saturday Night Live Hangout. 8 p.m. by phone 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. July 28 is the ACB Families Peer Support Group meeting. 9 p.m., participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796 If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598